Tonight, New York City braces for unrest after former President Donald Trump calls on his supporters to take to the streets in protest. Trump says his arrest in New York is imminent and law enforcement is now on high alert. So will the former president indeed be indicted this week? And if so, is the city ready? Metro Focus starts right now. This is Metro Focus with Raphael P. Roman, Jack Ford, and Jenna Flanagan. Metro Focus is made possible by Sue and Edgar Wachenheim III, Philomen M. D'Agostino Foundation, the Peter G. Peterson and Joan Gans Cooney Fund, Bernard and Denise Schwartz, Barbara Hope Zuckerberg, and by Jody and John Arnhold. Dr. Robert C. and Tina Sohn Foundation, the Ambrose Monell Foundation, Estate of Roland Carlin. Good evening and welcome to Metro Focus. I'm Jenna Flanagan. Tonight, the story that everyone is talking about, former president and candidate for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination, Donald Trump, could be indicted and arrested in Manhattan as early as this week. Local, state, and federal law enforcement are preparing for the unprecedented, the criminal indictment of a former president and the possible unrest that could follow. This all stems from the Manhattan District Attorney's investigation into hush money payments Trump allegedly made to adult film star Stormy Daniels ahead of the 2016 election. Over the weekend, Trump predicted on his social media platform that he will be arrested on Tuesday and called on his supporters to protest and, quote, take our nation back. Trump's posts were reminiscent of his tweets prior to the January 6th insurrection, raising fears that the unrest from that day could be repeated this time in New York City. Right now, security around the city is being increased. And so joining me tonight to cover all of it are, first, we'd like to welcome Sam Nunberg. Sam is an attorney and former insider in the Trump world, serving as campaign advisor in 2016. Sam, welcome to Metro Focus. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'd also like to welcome Jennifer Uh Rogers, a former federal prosecutor and adjunct professor of clinical law at NYU School of Law. Jennifer, it's great to have you back on the show. Great to be here, Jenna. Of course. And rounding out our roundtable is Ellis Hennigan. Ellis, of course, is a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist and political analyst. Ellis, it's always great to have you on. Always fun, Jenna. Thank you. Absolutely. So, Jennifer, I want to go right into, as I was sort of mentioning in the intro, um, what specifically are these charges that we're talking about and from which jurisdiction are they being brought? Well, Jenna, there are two cases being investigated out of the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. That's where everyone thinks charges may be brought as early as this week. The case that folks are saying is going to be brought this week is the hush money payments case, the allegation 
that former President Trump paid hush money to adult film star Stormy Daniels and then hid that payment by having Michael Cohen actually make it and then putting it on the books of the Trump organization as a legal expense when it was not. So the charge actually would be falsification of business records, which in New York state is a misdemeanor unless it becomes a felony if that crime, the falsification is done to facilitate or cover up a second crime. And the second crime here could be a campaign finance violation, for example. So that's the that's the case that everyone is expecting might be indicted this week. The Manhattan DA has a second case into the inflation and deflation of assets that the Trump organization used then to obtain loans and to uh, lower their tax rates. So that's a separate case that uh, we think is not going to be brought this week. But the, that investigation is supposedly still ongoing. Sam, given uh, your experience having been a Trump insider, especially at this time when this would have taken place in real time, uh, what is your take on uh, these charges, this possible misdemeanor, as Jennifer just said, leading to uh, this unprecedented possible arrest and indictment of a former president? Well, I think from a political point of view, it's going to be a coup for Donald Trump within the GOP primary. And I can tell you this as a Ron DeSantis supporter, um, this is exactly the reason why that he declared so early, uh, a week after the midterms, where he certainly had an effect in making sure the Republicans underperform. Uh, you know, this is going to make him uh, it's going to make it very hard to uh, criticize his record, which would be uh, which would be centered around criticism of his handling of covid of Operation Warp Speed. Uh, and now you can even see pressure on the candidates that are running against him uh, to come out in support of him. Uh, the charge itself, I'm not so sure it affects, uh, I'm, I'm not so sure it's going to affect his viability, even for the general election where he'd become the nominee. Of course, he may have to be doing all of that. I was thinking possibly debates if he were to found, be found guilty before uh, the, before the uh, presidential debates. He could be doing those via Zoom, right, from Rikers. But <laughs> uh, the case itself is, uh, I think, you know, it's, it's a novel case to say the least. And the SDNY investigated this. I know this for a fact. My grand jury testimony was centered around this in the Mueller investigation. Uh, they have passed on the underlying felony. And uh, the only time a felony like that has been tried by the US government was against John Edwards, where on that specific charge, he was found not guilty. I would say that from saying that this was a political contribution, let's be very careful. If Donald Trump in his defense can show that there is another reason that this payment would have been made, then uh, that would be reason for the jury to find that he's not guilty of that felony. And there was a history, I'm assuming, I never would directly participate in anything like this, but there was a history of uh, issues with uh, women. And uh, I do know for a fact that Donald was very sensitive about Melania and his marriage. So he would have a couple arguments, I think, to uh, possibly be found not guilty on the felony in terms of the uh, underlying misdemeanor. I would also say there's an important point, and I'll end here, is that Michael Cohen was paid around $360,000 the year after he left Trump Org. Michael was paid at Trump Org anywhere from $500,000 a year to $250,000 a year base salary. And that $360,000 would not be out of uh, out of league with that. And it could also be argued by Trump org that, look, we were paying him after he left to uh, keep consulting on open legal matters and as some kind of sort of uh, 
severance payment. But but uh, you know, it's uh, it's not going to be a uh, it's not going to be a, a a very I think it would be a hostile situation. Sorry for uh, Donald in a New York City courtroom. Well, Ellis, give us your take on all of the political. I mean, Sam did lay out a lot of things like we do know that uh, former President Donald Trump did announce he's running again for the nomination. Um, but what is your take on how this plays out, especially politically, not just legally, but also politically? Well, well Jenna, it's a crucial distinction and it's important to to keep them both in mind at the same time. And, and they veer in different directions. Uh, um, I would I would disagree with Sam a little bit about how difficult this prosecution is going to be. It's really not that complicated. Um, it's a, it's a legally creative uh, a, a approach. And, and indeed, when you compare it to the other cases that Jennifer was alluding to a moment ago, it probably will end up being the least serious of the criminal investigations that Donald Trump is under right now. How it bounces in the electorate is a is a fascinating and complicated question. Um, uh, my assumption is that there are very few people in America who are undecided on Donald Trump. And, and, and I think that almost anything that happens at this point is not likely to sway huge numbers of minds. But to the extent that it uh, revs up uh, folks in the base, that does give him a little bit of a boost in the Republican primaries and may well hurt him in November if he becomes the nominee and is uh, running against Joe Biden or some other Democrat. So, Jennifer, I want to bring you back in because uh, you are a legal expert and not everyone in America is a lawyer. So when Sam was referring to the uh, SDNY uh, passing on this, um, I'm assuming, Sam, that you were referring to the Southern District, <laughs> the U.S. Attorney yes. for the Southern District of New York. OK, um, Jennifer, is there any indication as to why the U.S. Attorney passed on this and then Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan D.A., chose to uh, follow this case through? So we haven't seen anything publicly. And the truth is there could be a variety of reasons that they chose not to pursue it. SDNY could not pursue it at the time that they prosecuted Michael Cohen for this because of the Department of Justice's longstanding rule. It's, it's not a law, but it is their policy coming out of the Office of Legal Counsel that a sitting president cannot be indicted. So they couldn't do anything with this at the time. So that leaves then when the administration changes Donald Trump is now out of office. Could they technically have brought the case then? And the answer is yes, but we don't know what DOJ as a whole, Merrick Garland, the attorney general, wanted SDNY to do with this case. So it may be that they passed on it, not because they didn't think they had the evidence, but because it was decided that in the wake of January 6th, in the investigations that were ramping up with respect to the former president's actions in trying to overturn the election and causing the insurrection, that there were more important things for DOJ to be doing. So I'm not at all convinced that SDNY thought that they didn't have this case on the facts and the law. In fact, having seen what happened with the Michael Cohen case, it's very clear to me that they did, uh, but maybe they decided not to for reasons having to do with other investigations. And also the issue with Michael Cohen, you know, Michael Cohen was speaking to SDNY. Obviously, he was prosecuted, but there was talk of him becoming a cooperating witness in the federal system. In my old office, SDNY, anyone who's going to be a cooperator has to plead guilty to all of their criminal conduct and admit everything that they've done. And not only what they've done, they have to talk about crimes that other people have committed that they know about. 
And what was reported, at least publicly at the time, was that Michael Cohen was not willing to do that. And so SDNY was not willing to sign him up to a cooperation agreement. So that may have been why that fell apart. In other words, that's a long way of saying it's not really that they didn't have the case. It's they just decided not to bring it for other reasons. But I don't think that that suggests that there's not a strong case to be brought here. I'm inclined to, to agree more with Ellis that the facts here are not complicated. They have the evidence. There's some creativity in the in the legal issues here. Uh, but listen, Alvin Bragg's a pro. And if they're bringing it, they certainly have thought through all of these issues. And, uh, you know, we'll have to see what happens. And just building off of what you were saying uh, for a second, how would this play out? Like, is this something where we could see, uh, you know, after a potentially arrest uh, charges, et cetera, that a would this be a trial case um, in the way that most Americans are familiar with TV trial cases? Or how does this play out? And could we see what Sam was suggesting, perhaps, um, should Donald Trump get the nomination Perhaps debates taking place over Zoom from someone who <laughs> is in custody. Well, so he will be if he's indicted, he will be arrested and processed. Then uh, the judge certainly will release him. Um, he will not be detained pending trial. But yes, this is a regular criminal case. It would be set for trial. They would head in that direction. You know, there will be all sorts of pretrial motions and things. But assuming that we get to trial, he will be tried in front of twelve jurors of his peers like any other American would. Um, I don't think there's a likelihood that we get to and through trial uh, by the time of the election. I just think there's going to be lots of litigation and lots of appeals to try to string this all out. Uh, but sure, if he were convicted and sentenced to prison time, uh, he still probably could remain free pending appeal. Uh, so I, I don't think there's much of a likelihood that he would be imprisoned uh, before, uh, certainly not the campaign season with debates and so on. But there really is a big question of the timing of when these things converge, when we get to trial and a possible conviction versus the election, because if he is imprisoned, before the election, you know, we'll see what happens with the election. But there, there's there's all sorts of things that could happen, including uh, the OLC opinion, the Office of Legal Counsel opinion that I mentioned that says that a sitting president cannot be indicted. It also says that a sitting president cannot be prosecuted or tried. So there's an issue with the timing that if he happens to get to and win the election and be seated on January 20th, Inauguration Day, before the case has been tried, Maybe they move to dismiss on that basis. So they're just they're just all sorts of things here that make it complicated and unprecedented. And we're just going to have to see how it all plays out with the timing of the case vis-a-vis -vis the election before we know how those things will resolve. Well, Sam, going back to what you were saying earlier about how this would most likely energize the base, um, I I would have a hard time imagining how the distraction of a trial doesn't become something that uh, opponents who are looking, for example, mm -hmm. Ron DeSantis, who has not declared yet, but might be looking to also seek the Republican nomination, doesn't use this to their advantage. Well, they, well, they certainly should. Uh, Ron DeSantis uh, has been uh, criticized by Trump supporters for not coming out and condemning uh, the, the possible uh, indictment. He's been... Uh, They've even been saying some Trump supporters that he should stop Trump from uh, that as governor of Florida. He may have the authority, which he really doesn't, to stop Trump from being um, moved uh, to face the indictment from uh, the state of Florida. In other words, he wouldn't have to honor 
the uh, New York City indictment. Uh, so uh, if I were Ron DeSantis, you've seen other candidates already, such as Nikki Haley, Vivek, uh, Vivek Schwami, come out and, and condemn this prosecution. And they're trying to uh, triangulate and get DeSantis into it and to say, we are the only candidate. If we don't come out and condemn it, then it, it's going to be legitimized. I suspect that DeSantis will stay quiet about this. You know, a lot of um, Republicans have to decide whether or not Donald's issues are all our issues. This is not the same as when he was impeached as a sitting president. This does not affect us as voters, Republican voters, about his being effective in office. And this is also not something connected, let's say, to, you know, post-election. So I think that it's going to be a little complicated, but somebody, you know, DeSantis does have a major choice here to make. And if I were him and I've, you know, spoken to some of his people, it really is about time that somebody in the Republican primary, Republican candidate says whether or not I view how I view the merits of this case, we have to worry about winning the election and whether uh, you want to uh, nominate someone who's going to be under indictment. So then, Ellis, given all of this, because I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, like I did in the intro, that uh, pre former President Trump did tweet on his Truth Social, I believe is the name of it, uh, social network, that he wanted to see people respond. He wanted protests, which did, of course, echo what he was tweeting uh, before January 6th. First of all, based on what we've seen of President Trump's ability to pull in people for his campaign stops, his rallies, they don't seem to be as big and as energized as they were. So can we expect him to have the same kind of pull or control over uh, the Republican base as we saw, or at least amongst his core supporters who showed up for January 6th? Can we see that, Whoa. expect that today? No, Jenna, never underestimate Donald Trump's grip on his uh, most fervent supporters. And, and you're right. Protest, protest, protest. He said it three times in capital letters. So so it seems that he really means it. Uh, but it's been interesting to watch the response. Um, a number of high profile Republican officials, including uh, Speaker McCarthy, in, in, including a number of the activists uh, who had been involved in the, the, the J6 uh, assault on the Capitol, don't seem to be rushing forward with, uh, with, with plans to protest. But I'll tell you this much, uh, officials in New York, as this uh, uh, potential indictment gets closer, are certainly uh, preparing for that possibility. The uh, NYPD, the Secret Service, the, the court officers in the lower Manhattan state courts are all coordinating right now to be sure that they are ready for whatever happens. Well, even with that being the case, I mean, uh, we the January 6th, uh, what started out as the rally, was very clearly planned. But for this, we don't really know. Uh, we know that Trump has said that he expects to be arrested Tuesday, but we don't really know exactly when. So it seems like it would be a little bit more difficult to get people to immediately react, especially with a city like New York that isn't exactly easy to get in and out of very quickly. It's a, it, it's a fair point. And, and don't forget, January 6th was, uh, you know, it wasn't exactly the usual suspect Republicans who were promoting the, the, the riot at the Capitol. I, you know, it was a, it was an undercurrent of fervent people egged on. We now know by a by a couple of uh, militant, violent groups. And, and so so they're very difficult to track. And I think anyone who can tell you right now, Jenna, or pretends to know right now that they understand exactly what's going to happen in the wake of an indictment, uh, take with a fair amount of skepticism. 
Well, I mean, we've seen at least the legal fallout of January 6th. I understand that security is being raised in Manhattan, as I mentioned in the lead, Jennifer, but uh, is there... I guess, is it clearer where the guardrails are for something like this? Like, would it have to be a peaceful protest? Or um, if the situation were to get, I guess, violent again, uh, who exactly would be the target? Like, what, are we talking specifically about the Manhattan DA? Would this have to happen in New York? Could it happen in Florida? Um, I guess those would be my questions, is do we know exactly who the target of the protest theoretically would be? Well, we only know what we've seen publicly. I mean, Trump has said this is an outrage. The Manhattan DA is coming after me. He's a racist. So I would say likely he intends the target to be the Manhattan DA. And we also saw a, a internal note released um, uh, or not released publicly, but that got out publicly that Alvin Bragg sent to his employees saying, you know, don't be intimidated, don't be threatened, we're working on security, you know, we need to to proceed uh, with any investigation as we always would. So he's kind of acknowledging this threat that they're all under uh, and saying that they're going to continue their work and uh, not be deterred, but that they, of course, will take security precautions. So it sounds like Donald Trump is suggesting everyone comes to New York and protests outside of the courthouse or outside of the Manhattan DA's office, which is right next door to the courthouse. Mm -hmm. um, but we just have to hope that NYPD is on top of any groups that start to gather and presumably they'll make any arrests that are warranted based on what happens there on the ground. Uh, but, you know, I hope to see none of that, right? I hope that that if he is arrested and processed, it will be done without any sort of uh, unrest at all. Sam, what's your take on the fact that, as uh, Alice did mention, we have seen some very prominent Republicans come out and say, actually, no, we do not mm -hmm. want uh, mass protests, um, a.k.a. January 6th. I mean, what does that say, at least to you, about uh, Trump's hold or control over the GOP primary? primary base. Well, that's that's an excellent point. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of the coverage here is that a lot of the coverage nationally has been that Republicans come out in support of uh, Donald Trump. But it was very good to see uh, Speaker McCarthy, for instance, uh, say who just whether or not you agreed with it, released the January 6th tapes of Tucker Carlson to come out and say, no, there shouldn't be any violence uh, in terms of Donald Trump calling for a protest. Uh, this is look, he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows how to say it. For instance, if you heard uh, him throughout his uh, throughout his history, if he ever gives an interview saying something negative about someone, he'll just say many people say um, he knows that, you know, legally he hasn't called for an insurrection or hasn't called for violence. He's legally hasn't incited violence. Um, and I'm not going to say necessarily whether or not he would want violence. I, I, I'm just going to hope that, you know, when these protesters come out as is their constitutional right uh, to support uh, the former president that, you know, they realize that there's NYPD out there. There's a, you know, DHS, and that they really, you know, they're only going to be hurting um, They're only going to be hurting people that are here to provide security for the city. Ellis, again, unprecedented seems to be the word of the day today, and perhaps all week. Um, is there anything at all to relate this to in American history, or are we legit in just completely uncharted waters? Boy, that word is getting worn out. And I feel like I've been using it since 2015 and I, I keep trying to get away from it. But um, but yes, the, Donald Trump provides a lot of unprecedented. So we have never had a 
an ex-president charged with crime. We have never had, uh, therefore, have never had protests as a result or or multiple uh, other cases. Um, I think at times like this, all of us do well to go back to first principles. And there are some first principles here. One is that uh, all Americans uh, should be accountable to the law in in the same way. Another is that people do have a right to protest. Uh, they don't have a right to be violent, but they have every right to, to protest and express their views. Another is that every four years we elect a president and Americans will have a choice this time, it seems. And one of those choices is going to be a, a return to a, to a second Trump presidency. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see what the, what the appetite for that is. But, but indeed, yes, there is tremendous chaos, tremendous new stuff going on every day. But, uh, but if there's one underlying principle, I think it may be that one. Let's 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 remember what we all stand for here. All right. Well, then, uh, since we're coming up on the end of our time together, I do want to get final thoughts on, again, this unprecedented situation that may or may not play out today because we don't know specifics. And Jennifer, I'll, thought with, I'll start with you. What are your final thoughts? Well, it's something that... Um... I can't remember who, but someone alluded to that that this is not the most serious of the criminal threats that the former president faces. So, you know, if these charges are brought, they will go through their paces and we'll see if the Manhattan DA's office actually ends up charging him with the other investigation they've they've been working on. But I do think that Fannie Willis in Georgia is likely to charge him. And I hope that DOJ charges him with one or both of the investigations they're doing. So I think this is really the beginning of criminal accountability for the former president who so far has completely skated without uh, taking responsibility criminally for anything that he's done. So I think it's the first step. It will be a long and winding road to true accountability, but uh, this represents the first step. All right, Sam, same question, about 30 seconds. From a political point of view, this is exactly what Donald Trump wanted. He certainly didn't want a prosecution coming down first uh, based on his post-election conduct or January 6th. So um, he has the uh, perfect foil here in uh, Alvin Bragg. We haven't gone over his record, but, but, um, you know, Alvin Bragg is very selective on what he decides to prosecute. And I would say that uh, I would say that I think this could, in public perception, for many, including independents, delegitimize any further prosecution of Donald Trump. All right, and Ellis, 30 seconds, last words. Well, Jenna, while we should all get hope from the fact that it does seem as if uh, the former president uh, may be facing some genuine accountability, that the same kind that all of us would face if we had if we had committed similar facts. It is also true that America remains a, a hugely tribal nation, very difficult to change a single mind, very difficult to get people to uh, look at these things through objective lenses. And I, I, I fear that one of the results of the months to come is that uh, that that tribalism gets uh, even more hardened. And I hope that's not true, but uh, I would say the signs are there. All right. Well, that's all of our time. But I do want to thank my roundtable guest tonight, uh, Ellis Hennigan, uh, Jennifer Rogers, and Good of course, Sam Nunberg. Thank you all so much thank for joining you. us on Metro great, Focus. Uh, great being with you. Thanks for tuning in to Metro Focus. You can take our award-winning program with you wherever you go with Metro Focus, the podcast. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Or simply ask your smart speaker to play MetroFocus, the podcast. Also available at MetroFocus.org, WLIW.org slash radio, and on the NPR One app.